Hello, welcome to Quadrivia. It's the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm James Key, the trivia nerd. I'm Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment based out of the Chicagoland area. And I'd like to take a moment to introduce who was originally a guest on this show and is now kind of uh, tipping his flippers into the water once again. Folks, join me in welcoming once again <laughs> from across the pond. It's Tipster. Indeed, yes. Hello, I'm Tipster, host and landlord at the Pinnacle Larder, located on an iceberg floating somewhere out in the Antarctic Ocean. <laughs> Was it originally the North Atlantic and then somebody um actually do? I, why do I have that memory? Uh, when we did the first take of the intro. <laughs> there you go. I got um actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was so long ago. I can't I can't even recall. That was it was either in like summer of 2020 or it was in 1842. That's how time works anymore this Yeah, year. I, I'd be surprised if it's 1842 to be fair cuz I, I don't think I'm 150-odd. Well, but honestly, the wrong. internet technology was nowhere near as good back then. Podcasts were were just the glint in somebody's eye. Imagine podcasts in 1840s, though. It'd just be be Morse code, wouldn't it? I I guess. Or, you know, people sitting around a gramophone. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you want the big audience, then you do the smoke signals and just have everybody sitting around on, you know, the mountain or the lake or whatever, you know. It works like five days a week and then the wind picks up. Oh, we have very different visions of 1842. (laughs) (laughs) I, well, I could, you know what, 1842, it's just like, that's a time in history where fire was being discovered as well as electricity at the same time. I don't oh. know. <laughs> yeah, they were remarkably like six weeks apart. Huge quantum leap. <laughs> did, did I know sword? we have I to, tell. I know we have to go somewhere from here, but I don't want to go somewhere from here. Yet. This is, <laughs> this is positively delightful. See, see, I'm in my head, I'm imagining Regency England and you are imagining the old West. <laughs> that's what's happening here yeah the difference i think is cholera and dysentery oh no we I, had that as well uh, oh no yeah, you had one way. of them and then what was the thing that that wrecked through london in the 19th century was that cholera i i believe i believe so also spanish flu see why why, why are you gonna make it a spanish thing i didn't they right. did I, well, to be fair, I think the French did, if we really want to get into it. Oh my it was goodness. one of those things where everybody had a different name for it. I wonder why we're talking about that in 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will be I will be damned if we start naming diseases after places again. I'm, I'm, we learned that in 1920. We're done. We're over it. Move on. Yep. Sounds true. Good, yeah. So I guess to... So, yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> no. We're, I mean, you know, this this is already derailed nicely. I don't know where to, to go either. Uh, so, uh, how about this? What are we talking about today, Jason? I mean, we could get into there if you really want to get into the meat and bones of the episode. Uh, today we are talking about mechanics rounds. Rounds, oh, so uh, like, yeah, fixing cars, airplanes, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a very niche topic. We'll be, we'll be honest with you. Identify this page from a car mechanics manual. Yeah, what is the ID number at AutoZone for blinker fluid? That kind of stuff. <laughs> I only caught two of those words in that sentence that made sense. Blinker fluid? What? <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't be the one. So it's a, it's a running gag. It's one of those troll things that people tend to do, uh, especially if they're having car issues. Oh. Uh, they'll, they'll tell people, hey, make sure, you know, as the winter comes up, make sure you, you refill up your blinker fluid. Uh, make sure you put the, the winter air in your tires. 
<laughs> special winter air shipped especially from the North Pole. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What, what was the one I saw today on social media going around? It was make sure you reverse the, the terminals of your battery so that the heat works instead of the air conditioning. Oh, okay. Lord. So it's, it's a system 32 gag. That's what it is. Exactly what it is. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think wow. though that the AutoZone website, uh, which is a major auto parts um, like retailer here in the U.S. for you, Tipster. I think they have a gag like ID number for blinker fluid, though. I thought I saw that. It might have been an <laughs> April Fool's thing. Anyway, mechanics I'm rounds. Looking, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. No, I thought it was always headlight fluid anyway. But uh... yeah, six oh one half dozen of the other kind of thing. I think. Yeah, I guess. I don't know what you call them with your trolleys and and lorries and I, I barristers. I believe it's still headlights over here. And wait, are we talking indicators? What? Are we talking the flashy things on the back of the car that tell them tell the car behind you which way you're going? The technical term, yeah. Flashy yeah. things. The flashy things. I think we call them indicators. Don't ask me. I haven't passed my driving test. Yes, uh, we are talking uh, tonight uh, or whatever time of day it is for you about mechanics rounds. Uh, and really, what is a mechanics round? Um, I think we just get... clearly established what it isn't, but yeah, um, it isn't anything to do with blinker fluid, apparently. <laughs> I almost um, spit my own tea here on that one. <laughs> Revenge. Um, <laughs> so, I I think where we start is what isn't a mechanics round, really? What that's probably an easier question to answer. Yeah, um, this well... this might be something we have to define kind of through exclusion. I can give you yeah. that. Um, and uh, the, the the basis, your starting point, really, is simple question, simple answer. What is the capital of Somalia? I no, don't know. No, you tell me. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> it's before anybody just turns off our podcast because we're trivia hosts that don't know anything. I, I'm pretty sure it's Mogadishu. I'm, I'm fairly sure on that as well. Hold on. But, Be right back. Googling my own stupidity. <laughs> yeah, while he's Googling that, yeah. I mean, well, you know, I mean, I would think just like you said, anything that's not a straight who, what, where, when, how or why question, uh, if it's just something that's a little bit uh, quirky, kind of fun and neat, I, that's what I consider to be a mechanics round, something where it's. Uh, a, a little bit more of a, a fun type question. That's what okay. it is to me. Yeah, so, it's, it's taking writing in a, in a more creative kind of direction than letting the, the question content itself kind of be the creativeness or even the phrasing in which you provide it being your voice in it. It's it's coming up with an idea for a type of question more than it is writing a, a, a really good, like you could read it off of a Trivial Pursuit or Jeopardy style question. I suppose, but there's also like... Um... There are different types of mechanics rounds. Um, so uh, not just in the way you ask and present the content or in the way uh, in what the content is, but also in the way in which you score those rounds as well. Um, so uh, uh, to give you an example of... Uh, and those are kind of the three criteria that I see mechanics rounds in. They don't you know, all fit in one neat category in neat little boxes. They all overlap in some kind of mm -hmm. monstrous Venn diagram. Um, but for instance, you know, a, a question where the ask or the content is the mechanic, uh, 
usually I tend to find is where you set from the start the expectation that this is what we are asking in every question. This is what we're looking for in every question in this round. Yeah, it's kind of um, like a function box in a sense. Yeah, you kind know, it's, of. It's not so much that the answer B is the answer to question A presented as a question. It's I'm going to give you information as A, filter it through this specific mechanic that I'm telling you about at the start and the output, the correct output should be your answer. Yeah. Um, and then you move on to things like presentation and the way you present the question. So that can be uh, either with um, picture clues or with um, uh, kind of logic clues, dingbats, rebuses, that kind of thing, or um, even in the way in which you slowly reveal the question. So um, to give you an example, what PQB Live does or um, any kind of who am I style question. I see that as a mechanics round as well, in essence. No, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, something that has that kind of countdown mechanic, as you were saying, that the scoring is implicitly tied to the mechanism through which you've built the round vis-a-vis -vis mechanics. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of words to say a very simple thing. Um, now, you're talking about a who am I question. Are we talking about where uh, you get some uh, clues as you're going along and when you get it quicker you get more points is that what we're talking about i would believe so yeah that's kind of the kind of thing that i'm going for the reason i say who am i as kind of my example is because the my first encounter of that kind of question was um on an old british quiz show called going for gold uh ooh, talk, tell us about that uh we're talking early 90s late 80s presented by henry kelly and it was basically uh, a round as part of a game show where they brought people from different European nations to essentially go for gold. Uh, that was the that was the, the the kind of concept of the show is they'd have six panelists each week. They'd whittle them down, and then the final round they had two people head to head, and they'd do a clue where it goes to the first person, they have a set amount of time, and that's a, you know, a very difficult clue to get. Then they go to the second person for four points with a, a, a different clue and a set amount of time, and back and forth and back and forth. You um, know, as you're saying that, I am remembering seeing this game show, uh, and I think, uh, is like the first part of the round they have to get to a certain number of points and they can ask for a one, two, or a three-point question, right? I believe so, yes. It's been so long yeah. since I've seen it, though. It's been so long. Um, oh, that sounds but, like a neat idea in general. Yeah. Um, it's just, obviously, when you have a lot of teams, it's very difficult to have someone who sets that bar. Yeah, I, I can see something where that kind of a game show is fun to play, fun to watch, and it would be a great way to run a trivia match, but how are you going to do that when you don't have individual players, when you have large teams, small teams, uneven teams, lots of teams. Actually, uh, you know, so even teams with chicken pox. I'm going to interject there, and, and I'm going to say there is uh, at least one example where it's been done successfully, and that is uh, Russ over at Trivia Workshop, um, who has recently come out with uh, a new pilot called Think Tank, where they have a target um, who sets the scores for each round, each theme. Um, oh, this sounds unique and something I've never heard of before. Do go on. Uh, so the idea being that there are seven rounds. Each round has 
a, a category and there is a target for that week. Um, I believe sometime before this podcast airs, our very own Jason from Liquid Courage uh, is going to be one of those targets. And uh, what they do is they set the scores for each of those rounds based on how confident they are. And then the final round is a question from each of those rounds worth seven points each. Usually the hardest question out of that set. Um, Just to, way- to interject slightly, the the current iteration, and as you mentioned, I, I know I was the most recent guest uh, during the testing, is six points for that last question. Russ ultimately dropped a question out of each round for, for speed purposes. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Just so I've, we don't get angry hate mail from the folks at Trivial Workshop and their fans. <laughs> Cass is writing a letter furiously right now. Because the thing I've learned in 2020, gentlemen, is if you want to know the right answer to a thing, say it wrongly in front of trivia people. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh, except when I am. And they let me know. The oh. uh, the who you know the who am I thing uh, that you you were talking about where uh, the point values go down as you're going along. I think I heard somebody talking about this recently, where mm-hmm. like um, maybe they would have this as a special question at the end of every round, and every time you get the question right, you get a point. So uh, if you guess it correctly early, uh, you get points. Uh, you know, for every round that you still had left to get it. Uh, or if you wanted to change your answer midway or something or keep guessing the same person, you know, so if you were kind of confident or wavering or whatever, you could uh, go either way with it. Um, okay. I, I, can't, that... I can't see it working as something as like one round necessarily altogether, because if people are going to be submitting an answer after, you know, a set of clues, you know, after one clue, two clue, three clues, up to ten or something, I could see that being a very lengthy way of doing it. But if it's a, just a kind of a special thing at the end of every round where you say, now here's your next clue for our mystery guest or whatever, you know, that would be a, a decent way to do it, I would say. Now, I have I have done it in that format, in that one Q1A presentation at my live shows. And the software that I was using at the time had just enough functionality to pull it off. Basically, what I did was told teams in the countdown style round, Uh, with progressively easier clues, give a guess on every question. If the answer on your board is right when I come to check you after that question, you're going to earn a point. So if you get it right on the first question and you get the audiovisual feedback that you're right, don't do anything else. You just picked up 10 points. In fact, the less you do, the more points you're going to earn. Because if you dick around with that answer and I come back and all of a sudden you've changed it like an idiot, you're not getting that point anymore. Uh, so that's how I was able to do it, at least at my live shows. It could work in an online setting, I could see. But it, again, it would be snappier to do it as like a, a one shot kind of thing versus making an entire you know five or ten question round about it overall. So it's uh, f- from what I understand, it's the entirety of the way PQB Live runs their show. Um, they have a three point clue, a two point clue and a one point clue. Um, and revealing each one after 30 seconds. Um, and it seems to work for them quite well. It does. They've they've done it in a pretty ingenious way. First of all, it's only three clues, so each question only takes about a minute and a half because the yeah. other part is they have a 30-second timer uh, in both their slideshow and their scoring system. It's where if you know 30 seconds has elapsed, the next clue comes up, and any answers that come in after that point get uh, dropped 
score wise by a point. So they found yeah, a way all... to do it snappily and, and credit yeah, with only credit three student. clues, three clues. That's going to be the way to do it. Uh, I'm so used to, you know, these, you know, who am I questions that I've seen on some game shows that, you know, they're very lengthy. You, you start off with the super obscure stuff and, and move your way down. But if you're only going to be plopping down three clues per question, I could actually see that working for a round if you do it the right way. I've I've done their games before and they've they've hosted on my stream before. It's a really solid mechanic and obviously, you know, they're just kind of reinventing the pub quiz or quiz bowl, I should say, experience. Uh and they're bringing it into a more of a pub environment. So, but that's just one of many many examples of mechanics style rounds that aren't your bog standard. Here's a question, what's the answer kind of thing. Uh Tipster, I know that your weekly standard game has several examples of mechanics rounds, some that show up every week and some that you just kind of throw in. Do you want to take a minute and talk about a couple of those? Yeah, sure. Um kind of the final category that I was of mechanics rounds that I was going to talk about is scoring. Um where the it's not inherent in the question or the presentation itself, but in the way that you score them. And one good example of that is um around that i do that in my it's kind of my final question every week uh, and i call it the accumulator and the way this works is um the teams are presented with five questions and they can answer as many or as few as they like um and the points get progressively higher for each question they answer correctly so your first correct answer is worth one point your second is worth two your third is worth three but there is a bit of risk tied into that because as soon as you answer a question incorrectly, every correct answer in that round is worth one point and one point alone. So, you know, if you give me five answers and only four of them correct, you're getting four instead of the ten that you would have got had you not given me that incorrect answer. And that seems to work quite well because it does keep people guessing. Um, it does keep people on their toes. I've had weeks where i've had teams submit all five i have i've had weeks where the the biggest submission i've had has been three um oh goodness yeah uh this week just gone in fact and i i think it's one of those rounds that it's a good way to because it is theoretically worth a lot of points it's a good way to have something worth that many points that still gives a way in for people who don't necessarily know everything in that mm -hmm. round. Um, and we've had it before where a team has been very confident and submitted all five and they were leading and they've lost that lead because they were overconfident. Um, so it's, it's not just about being correct. It's about knowing how correct you are. Yeah, it um, sounds like a, a better fleshed out version of an occasional question type that I do. It's an any and every question that mm -hmm. has multiple answers, and I don't bother to tell you how many correct answers there are. So you, if you want to throw guesses that you think are right in, um, you can. You're welcome to. But if any part of your answer is wrong, you don't earn that point for that specific question. Like, uh, as an example, name any and every U.S. state that borders Texas. I'm not telling you that there are, what, one, two, three, four, maybe five. I, I don't know offhand, but uh, I won't tell you how many there are. You just have to, to guess at it. And if you miss a right answer or you put a wrong answer. And, you know, because this is in my typical rounds where for scoring mechanics reasons, everything has to be a binary yes or no kind of scoring thing. It's yeah. it, it seems like you've taken 
something similar to that idea. You flesh it out to a whole round. You put it in the final round. So you you have some pros there for sure being one that it it affords the ability for a team to catch up from behind, mm-hmm. yeah. which I would argue you want in a final round. You want that ability for a swing without making it such that one bit of knowledge makes or breaks an entire game for you. So tip of the cap to you for the idea. It's really solid. And yeah, I've... I'm mad because I don't have <laughs> a comparable idea and I'm actively shopping ideas for final rounds and questions. So email I... me. I yeah, will now be... I've seen. Oh, go uh, ahead. If... Well, thank you. Uh, I was going to say, I've seen something similar. I've done something similar. Uh, a lot of these mechanics, by the way, at least for me, they come from game shows. And there was a game show, not the one with the big red balls, but it was called Wipeout. And they had a board of uh, 16 answers. And they told you 11 of them were right and five of them were wrong. And they yeah. were the Wipeouts. And you could take as many as you wanted to during your turn, but you get one wrong, you lose your entire score for that round. So uh, that's kind of similar to what both of you are talking about. And mm-hmm. uh, at least with this one, you know exactly how many there are. And of course, that could be, you know, uh, swapped up to where you have 12 answers, eight right, four wrong, anything of that mm-hmm. kind of combinatorics. So uh, I could see that working where maybe you give three of those types of questions at the end of a game to just like you said allow teams that are behind to go a little bit more deeper into the dirt and try to to claw back up where maybe the people who are ahead want to play it a little safer or maybe they want to try to bury the competition and and go for the guts as well Mm -hmm. i wonder what would happen if you built in some kind of accumulator style scoring thing there maybe something more like fibonacci-esque in the numbers so right, the first what? right answer is one, the second one's worth one, and then two, and then three, and so on, uh, to, yeah, actually, to really ramp up the risk on that. Yeah, I've done it where everything's one point. The Wipeout show did it where it was like uh, every answer was worth one times, two times, three times, four times as you go along. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, very much in the same style as the accumulator. And in fact, um, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Ash, does an excellent excellent implementation of wipeout on 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 the platform um that is open to everybody to play wait is um, that twitch.tv slash at underscore bash that platform that is the one yep that's the one um, you're welcome I ash we'll believe... take the uh, residual check in the mail anytime <laughs> i can't believe i've never seen any of his shows i know that's what he does being a diehard uh, game show fan for all of my life I don't know why I'm not watching this, so I need to figure out what his schedule is and and get on there, play along, watch along, whatever. Because that's you know, I mean, uh, even if I'm not able to play along, that's what game shows are all about—just uh, you know, doing it for yourself and and watching and and having fun. Yeah, well, people like him on Twitch that aren't strictly speaking pub hosts like uh, we tend to be have have really found a niche in that interactive game show kind of marketplace. So absolute credit where credit's due to to Ash from App Ash and, and all the work that they and Royal Flush and a couple other people whose names are escaping me are doing. It's it's very cutting edge for the concept of interactive trivia. So definitely shout outs there where shout outs are deserved. Yeah. And it's it's taking something that used to be only really exclusive to a TV environment or to, you know, big budget environment like HQ, for example, um, and bringing it to a, a wider audience, um, which is, is a, you know, a huge credit. And if you do happen to want to know when these kind of things are on, uh, then I can thoroughly recommend the Week in Quiz, uh, which comes out every Monday. <laughs> 
what is the weekend quiz? What is this uh, a schedule or, or what? Uh, I mean, what are we talking so about? So it's a showcase every week of what's going on in the world of trivia on Twitch. Um, it's a little like two to three minute thing um, on, uh, you know, trivia hosts, game show hosts that are doing stuff on Twitch. Um, but back to the, the kind of topic at hand um, and uh, mechanics rounds. The other one that I um, kind of mostly do do every week is called the Confidence Booster, which works in the other direction. It sure does. Uh, it doesn't boost my confidence at all anytime you do it. <laughs> um, well, now, you're leaving me in the dark. I don't know how this works. Tell me okay. about it. So it's uh, a harder general knowledge question. So it's five separate general knowledge questions, usually harder than your kind of standard Q&A, um, where you get an open shot at it. Um, and if you don't get it on the open shot, uh, then you get four possible answers. Um, and you get three points if you effectively three points if you get it on the open shot, one point if you get it on the four possible answers. Oh, um, uh, tipster, you got to put these in game show terms for him, he'll understand that. Uh, James, press your luck. Ah, there you go. There it is. I got you. Now. Oh, that's exactly okay. what that is. I did not know that that was the mechanic that Press Your Luck runs by. The only thing I knew about Press Your Luck was big money, no whammies, and they slam a button, and occasionally some like red-haired imp steals <laughs> all of their prizes, and occasionally you win an art gallery. <laughs> See, the, the thing with Press Your Luck is people uh, don't remember that it was a trivia show. <laughs> like, that's how you earned spins. Uh, Peter Samarkin would ask a question, and the first player to buzz in would get, you know, three spins, I think, for giving the right answer. And whether or not they were right, that answer showed up as a multiple choice option for, I think, three total that the other players got to select for one spin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what's happening on the uh, current version of Press Your Luck. Uh, with the, it's Elizabeth Banks Ooh, now. She's nice. the host. Uh, yeah. Uh, so same thing. Now sometimes she gets. Uh, I know that you like your dirty questions. Sometimes she'll uh, start a question that sounds like it's going to be a super easy answer, and then she completely steers it into left field and makes the the contestant feel bad. So I I know that you don't do that at, uh, with your confidence builder, but uh, uh, that's the general idea. Yeah, just like he said, you got your your give it a guess for three or take multiple choice for one. I don't think I speak for either of you or really anybody else when I say that I would let Elizabeth Banks whammy me anytime. Mm. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm married. <laughs> I love my wife, and we Where's enjoy pressure towel? luck together. Where's Folks, this is towel? where. Where do you think the episode titles come from? My, my, my stupid <laughs> pop culture celebrity <laughs> reference jokes. Somebody's got to do the work. <laughs> Um, oh my goodness yeah unless you had any other notes on the confidence booster i'd love to hear about a couple of mechanics uh rounds that that james has done because when i think unique ideas for a round uh in the trivia writers co-op hand to god my, my mind goes straight to you james well thank you uh i will say that just like with game shows a lot of the inspiration comes from that as well as you don't know jack um they have a type of question where they give you four possible answers uh, that are absolutely nothing to do with one. Let me see if I can uh, come up with the one of them real quick. It's like, this is the kind of stuff I should know right off. Uh, elephant, mustard, Teddy Roosevelt, or Dracula. That's an example of one of their categories. And the answer is always going to be 
one of those four things, Elephant, uh, Mustard, Teddy Roosevelt, or Dracula. Uh, Now, I created my own, which I'm not sure if I talked about it on this podcast or not, but I created a category called Dinosaur, Apple, Edison, or Alien. So you had to pick one of those four things. Is, uh, Is it a dinosaur, an apple, Thomas Edison, or an alien? And there were 10 different questions, and amazingly enough, uh, a few of those questions, you know, two of the answers were very feasible, sometimes three, maybe even all four. So uh, it, it actually turned out, I did that at a live show, uh, 10 questions to an audience of like 20 plus teams, and it was one of the harder uh, categories that I had done. There was nobody that got a perfect score on that one. Uh, and I even think they had a mulligan that they could put on it, but nine was the the max. So that's actually what I like to see. I don't want necessarily a, a bunch of high scores of tens all the way across. Every once in a while, I want something that's going to challenge everybody. And that one worked out pretty well. Before we get into any more of these, and I do want to get into more, um, that brings up something that I definitely want to ask you guys and, and talk about on my end. And that is, what do you do when a mechanics round falls flat? Uh, do you have your first example first there, Tipster? So, uh, yeah. Um, The big example of when a mechanics round falls flat for me is um, when I try to run Broken Karaoke. Now, this is something that trivia hosts have run before and has been taken pretty much like wholesale from uh, Richard Osman's House of Games and put straight into uh, my game. And that a requires a lot of pre-production and b when you put that much time into a round uh (laughs) you kind of you kind of don't want to let it go Mm -hmm. and especially when the round is only five questions long um it's kind of like i got complaints uh after the first question um and i was like okay maybe the second will work better and at that point, you're already, you know, you're you're past the point of no return, really. Um, yeah, it's not like you can just abandon the round concept entirely because you wrote the content, you put the time in, and one yeah. one squeaky wheel's opinion does not an entire room's worth of opinion make. Um, odds are, and this has been my experience, people will let you know more frequently when they're unhappy compared to when they are happy. So in your head, you kind of have to balance the scales a little bit with the emphasis on, well, if five people said they didn't like it, but three people said they did, those three are probably representing a larger fraction than those five are. Yeah, it's one of those where, unfortunately, you can't really do much when the round is in motion. Um, But you just kind of have to take your blows and go, uh, put your hands up and go like, okay, this hasn't worked. How do we deal with this? Because, the like, in my opinion, the concept works. It just needs tweaking. It just mm-hmm. needs kind of adjusting to a way that is more um, suited to a pub quiz style. <laughs> um, so, uh, hey, Tipster, if hey. you don't mind, I'm going to see your Richard's House of Games, and I'm going to raise you Only Connect. What do you think of that? Only Connect is also something that I may or may not have slightly ripped off uh, for Mechanics <laughs> Rounds previously as well. Yeah. Um, early in my trivia career, uh, I found Only Connect, and I will say that I lifted some of the questions uh, somewhat 
exactly from the show. Oh. Uh, and, <laughs> and yeah, it, it is an esoteric, basically, tri-bond, except it's four things that are absolutely nothing to do with each other unless you have that lateral thinking cap on. And I had an entire room full of people who just had the blankest looks on their faces when I tried to explain to them what was going on and how to think of it. And I gave them examples and, oh, it just did not go well. And and I think that, uh, you know, so, this kind of a round could go well, but I just had to tone it down because it was British pub quiz hard. Oh, heck. Wait, British pub quiz hard? That's a thing? Hold on. Hold um, on. Yeah, I would say so. Now, I don't, Jason, if you agree or not, but I would say that uh, the reputation of British pub quizzes is that it's uh, a little bit more stringent, difficult, detailed uh, in the way that uh, that we might be a little bit more, I don't want to say like laid back or easy, but I think that they have a more of a difficulty spike. At least that's the reputation I'm aware of. Am, am it, I incorrect in this? It, it can come down to a couple things, in my opinion. And one of those is we're dumb Americans, so we don't know British stuff. But the other thing is we're awesome Americans and have all the pop culture. So British pub quizzes tend to be more academic on balance. Yeah, I, I, I feel like they seem that way. But they're like, to be fair, I haven't been to an actual pub pub quiz in a while. Um, oh, I'll invite you, buddy. <laughs> oh, you know I think I know what it is. They always ask about like royalty, kings and queens, and we don't do that over here. Possibly, um, and also like they do have the the kind of there is a separate, usually a separate history, a separate geography, and a separate science round. And to be fair, the most popular places that pub uh, that pub quizzes run are university bars, in my experience, at least. Uh, fair, fair. Um, so I guess, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, back to only connect though. Um, yeah, it's it's weird that even with an example, it didn't go down too well. Because, um, uh, funnily enough, myself and uh, Jason wrote uh, an only connect style round for my quiz for the week just gone, and that seemed to that seemed to hit all the right notes. So I think it's one of those where it entirely depends on your audience. Um, and that's kind of something you have to sit there and take into account when you're writing these kind of mechanics rounds. Are the, they going to get this? The big word that keeps jumping out to me as we talk more and more about different mechanics rounds is puzzle. We're basically mm -hmm. writing word puzzles and knowledge puzzles, stuff you might find in a puzzle hunt, literally. Mm -hmm. And I think that the pushback or lack of pushback you get depends a lot on who your particular audience is. Are they... The kind of people that will do cryptic crosswords or watch only connect or are they the kind of people who watch jeopardy I assuming that of, that's a binary kind of choice i, I do mean, a lot of fundraisers for uh you know like churches and schools and things and a lot of them are just families there to support uh so they are not going to be your serious quizzers your serious trivia players mm -hmm. so making sure to write for them and that was i think one of the problems that i had when i was doing this 10, 12 years ago, just starting out, is I was assuming that, you know, everybody going there was there for the trivia. Uh, and sometimes that's not even the case. They're more there. Uh, honestly, how many times have you heard the team name, we're here for the beer? Uh, <laughs> more than I happens, care to talk yeah. about. Yeah. So, I, I mean, uh, I don't know if that's the same way with uh, Tipster and his shows. Uh, is it mostly people that are 
there for the academia of it or the camaraderie of it or what? So because um, I kind of stream my games on Twitch, people have to actively come to me. It's very much a case of um, everybody who is there wants to quiz. Um, uh, whereas I feel with fundraisers, that's not always 100% the case. Um, and the thing that I tend to find is that you do tend to find a lot of the same people uh, going between Twitch trivia streams quite a lot. Um, so a lot of, I share a lot of my community with uh, Jason and with Ash um, and with uh, other Twitch uh, trivia streamers um, because there are people who just kind of go from stream to stream doing all these games. Um, and we love you know, them. Thank you for keeping we, us we, gamefully employed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think uh, that audience is very much kind of, I wouldn't say they're they're all hardcore quizzes, but they all definitely enjoy being challenged and having yeah. that challenge. Yeah, um, I get you. Uh, so, you know, I do, I do have people that maybe don't do as well, but they keep coming back week after week because they enjoy having that challenge. Um, so the, I feel like that's the major difference in audience, um, especially when you, when you go from, doing a what is it a fundraiser slash corporate gig to going into a space where people actively have to seek you out yeah you know one thing uh with the fundraisers is uh, a lot of them are at catholic schools and down here in louisville kentucky uh we have a, a pretty tight-knit set of of catholic schools and oddly enough there's one team that actually make it maybe two that goes from fundraiser to fundraiser and they're always the ones that win uh just about <laughs> every single time uh i mean they're the one they're the serious ones they bring no pads uh they listen to the question they all scribble down the answers that they think they are they rip them off put them in the center of the table one guy picks them up looks through them and says i think that we should go with mogadishu for this one and and then they all you know nod <laughs> sagely and, and move on from there and boy that's that's one of the reasons where I like to to want to try to trip them up with these, you know, clever, uh, you know, mechanic rounds. Whereas, uh, you know, instead of just all the straightforward Jeopardy style uh, Q and A, I want something that's going to be a little bit different that they're not used to. To not only, you know, uh, you know, I trip them up a little bit, but give everybody uh, a little bit of fun out of it. Yeah. So, kind of, I want to wind the clock back a bit and talk about. Um, something Jason said earlier that you know we're we're all just talking about puzzles essentially. Mm -hmm. I think there's a few mechanics rounds that don't fit into that kind of branch. One of those being sheep. <laughs> like sheep. it is, it is trivia. There are multiple correct answers to the question, but it isn't essentially a puzzle. But it does have mechanics to it. I, you know, I never thought of it that way until you brought it up, but I can't say that you're wrong. Sheep was this, it was this thing that, uh, and I'm going to, Omar Mahmoud, I believe in the Trivial Warfare Army, had kind of started doing just as a social media game. It was basically just self crowdsourced family feud style stuff. And about a year and a half ago, uh, some of us in the Trivia Writers Co-op said, ooh, this is a neat idea. How can we turn it 
into something that we can use for our live shows. And I don't remember who had the genius initiative to do it, but we decided, well, what if instead of awarding the most popular answer, we award the least popular answer. But then we have to write questions that have like distinct subsets of correct answers. You can't just say, you know, describe an emotion. You have to be, give me, you know, the name of a condition in the DSM or something like that to where there is a, a standard definitional correct answer space for, for grading purposes. Because if you don't pin your stuff down, man, um, you'll hate it so very, very much as a runner. Yeah, um, uh, Tipster, you know what that's called in... Uh, I, I, I know that yeah. it's reverse pointless, basically, is what we're yeah. talking about here. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's it's something I've run on a couple of occasions as well as kind of a mini version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an interesting mechanic to apply to something that has multiple correct answers. Like, name one of the members of Blazing Squad, for instance, of which I think there were like 15 um, what is a Blazing Squad? They were a uh, pop slash hip hop band that was popular in the early 2000s that had, as I said, about 15 members. Um, think think So Solid Crew? But... Try again. No. Okay. Just, just say S, S Club 15 and we'll get it. Okay, yeah, think S Club 15. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's an opportunity to have that kind of question and also um the difficulty i find with that kind of thing is people going in thinking that the most obscure answer is necessarily going to be the most worth the most points and quite often that tends not to be the case oh reverse reverse psychology is the best i had one (laughs) uh way back when i first started doing sheep as its own kind of stream on twitch the category was name a a basketball player who won multiple championships with the chicago bulls which in the 90s won six with like 20 different players each picking up two to three Uh, and a couple notable cases that picked up all six. Nobody said Michael Jordan because everybody assumed somebody else would say Michael Jordan and they didn't want to match. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, exact reverse psychology. That's amazing. Uh, That, that, like, I, I, so from what I've observed of Sheep Games as a player, it's always the middle of the road answers that tend to do best. Um, yeah, the ones that aren't so clever that some everybody else is thinking them, the ones that aren't so obvious that people who don't have a clue what to answer aren't just dumping out to, basically. Yeah. It's um, it's a weird inverse bell curve, now that I think about it. Yeah, kind of. Kind huh. of. Um, but you, you have rounds like that where it isn't necessarily a puzzle, but there are other mechanics at play. Um, and you've got some other excellent examples of potential mechanics rounds that you've done in the past as well, Jason, right? Uh, Some that have succeeded, some that haven't. Uh, When I do mechanics rounds in general, uh, because I don't tend to put them too much into my first four rounds in a classic game, that's what my fifth round is for and what some other formats that I do are for is to play around with mechanics. Uh, Some have hit with a lot of success and some haven't. And I found, um, ironically, like a this or that style round plays both ends. Um, mostly because it's the kind of thing when you write 
around where you are telling people every answer is either A or B, which again, uh, to James's credit, is stolen directly from You Don't Know Jack. Yep. Um, you have to write really hard clues or you have to make them so unknown that everything is basically a pure coin flip. And some people really like that. Some people think, hey, I didn't come here to, to have to identify uh, these very weird esoteric things that normal people don't know. Uh, and I go through and I try to be a dick on them a lot. It, I guess it also depends on the vibe that your game gives off. Like if, if you're doing it in something like your classic game, uh, you know, it may not flow. It may not, you know, be received well because you, it has an effect on other things that have happened in the game previously. Whereas if you do it in something like, um, for instance, your Tringo game. Yeah, where I, I basically just come up with new rounds and mechanics just based on user submissions from previous games. Yeah, it's uh, it's very freeing creatively because I can just throw something at the wall once and see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, fine. I don't have to try that mechanic again. And if it does, cool. I have something in the back pocket. Um, example of that, explain a film plot badly. Oh my goodness, I love this. <laughs> uh, which was a very popular uh, Twitter hashtag going around for several years. People would take the actual plots of movies and then just bastardize the descriptions of them or, or vagify them or punnily clue them. Uh, they're They're so great for entertainment questions, but they are kind of problematic which is why i have to pin them down very specifically because i've had instances where i found or wrote one that i thought was pretty specific to a particular film and then four other answers come in in the moment and you read those answers and you recollect what you know about that film and what you wrote and you have to say you know i can't say you're wrong and i hate saying i can't say you're wrong my favorite thing in the world is to say you're wrong <laughs> on the <laughs> On the flip side of that, though, you have got um, kind of questions where there is like there's a commonly accepted answer, but not necessarily the correct one. And I know that you've done uh, puns and dad jokes in the past. Oh, puns was fun. Dad jokes is was an interesting animal because that's not okay. trivia. That's that's honestly what guess do you have that the person who wrote this dad joke came up with for the punchline? Um, as a trivia question or a mechanics round in and of itself, boy, your game better not be a serious game if you're going to put dad jokes <laughs> in. Don't put money on the line for that because you'll you'll get pushback. Um, as far as mechanics that I've done for Tringo that just failed, because I will say, just to put a pin on the explain a film plot badly thing, generally it goes over so well that I've extended it to other media. Uh, I have done explain a Broadway musical badly. I want to do explain a video game badly. You've got you've got <laughs> mileage in pop culture for just taking the the plot or premise of a thing and and running it through the the wood chipper. Yeah, the one that I did that just it's the only round that I have ever in my professional career been bribed not to finish was Venn diagrams. And um, uh, Tipster, I think you remember this, James. I don't think you were around to experience this. So no, I wasn't. imagine. Imagine a three ring Venn diagram so okay. that, you know, kind of set up in a triangle. You've got three circles and they all overlap at different levels, kind of equilaterally. Then take those three circles and apply broad descriptions to each of them. Mm. And then sure. number okay. all the subsections from zero being outside to seven being in the absolute center point and then everything else in between. And then give examples of something in a category that may or may not fit some of those. Ooh. 
and yeah. the teams oh, like the, have to I identify like which section of the Venn diagram is most accurate. It's it's difficult conceptually to do. You have to do it in an image style format, I think, uh, for mm -hmm. people to gist it. And even then, it's really problematic, I learned. I've done it, I think, three times total. I did it with MCU characters. I did it with cocktails. And I want to say there was a third example I did that's... Oh, board games. Oh, so, okay. like, like the board games one, one of the circles was uses dice. Another one was players earn cards. And the third circle was players win through victory points or something like that. And I would give an example of like risk, which does use dice. Players do earn cards, but you win when you conquer the whole bo board. So there, it doesn't fit in the dead center. It does fit in one exact specific spot. That one actually, I think was the one that went over the best of the three that I've done. So mm -hmm. I think there's still mileage there. I just think I'm an asshole. <laughs> well, it also sounds like that's difficult to write as well. I mean, coming up with three things that, you know, could fit, couldn't fit, and then you have to pick out the, the items that are going to go in there. Uh, it, I imagine that was difficult for you to write. Am I correct? I, I wouldn't say it was difficult so much that it was a type of thinking that I'm not used to as a writer that I had to get into the headspace of because you have to come up with the, the overarching category. And then to your point, you have to come up with three broad, you know, up down style comments that you can say about things in that category. And then you have to find 10 examples that aren't all just in one, one spot in the same Venn diagram. So I actually ran it through, I think random.org. I created a list of the numbers zero through seven and had it just spit out 10 random numbers. And then I went back and found games that fit in those spots so it can be quick if you're in the right mindset but it is it's different approach wise that i don't want to say it's difficult but i do want to point out that it's not for everybody Fair. um yeah that again like that i don't know if that would go over well with uh, a fundraiser crowd it's boy but that sounds like such an interesting idea to me that you know it's you know, where else are you going to do it? You got to test it out somewhere, yeah, whether exactly. it's uh, on Twitch, whether it's a live show. I mean, that's uh, that's why we failed. It's because we decided, you know what, we're going to try something. And gosh, broken karaoke didn't work yep. or only connect didn't work or uh, Venn diagrams didn't work. But, you know, now we know now we can either tweak it, trash it or do whatever else we want with it or come up with some other crazy new idea. Uh, but you got to if you don't do it. You're just going to be, you know, Mr. Q&A and, you know, that's that's fine, but it's not fun. There's there's one more mechanic I want to get into before I get off my soapbox, because we talked about the other one that I used to do uh, at my live mm -hmm. show. It's kind of a break time question. And this mechanic and a lot of people will tell you they either love or hate trivia questions where the answer is a number. Uh, this mechanic okay. was was high low. And what I would do is I would present a question that has a numeric answer that I don't expect anybody to even have a ballpark guess on with some level of accuracy. And mm -hmm. teams during the break would come up with a low guess and a high guess. So they're setting a range, basically. And the goal is for the correct answer to be between their low guess and their high guess. But it's only the team that had the most narrow, correct range that received the bonus for that question. Hmm. Oh, this was yeah, this was stolen directly from um, something I saw on a TV series called Brain Games. But I, I trivia it a bit. Basically, the question was presented to people. It was showing like confidence bias 
psychologically speaking. And the question mm -hmm. was, how many countries are there in Africa? Uh, it's between something and something. Tell me, you know, it doesn't matter what you say as long as you're right. What two numbers would you put on either end? And people would be like, oh, I think it's between 45 and 48 when the correct answer is like zero to infinity. <laughs> and and the, the point of that skit was to show that people will feel more confident about even a bad guess than they will just feeling like they're being too broad. So I, I weaponized that in a sense <laughs> and said, fine, you can say zero to infinity. That's cool. But if somebody else says one to infinity, you're not going to win. It's it's funny that you mention um, giving bonus points to kind of the team that's correct with the narrowest margin, because obviously we talked about sheep, we've talked about that round there. And rounds where the scoring is affected by what other teams submit is always an interesting concept. And sometimes it hits well and others people don't like the fact that other people are affecting their how good they are at trivia in quotation marks. So it's it's always one that I've kind of aired on the side of caution with personally. I've done examples of that for my fifth round at live shows and I'm I'm unfortunately blanking on specificity, but I've definitely done topics where, you know, the answer in my database says answers will vary because I came mm -hmm. up with a weird mechanic for it. Uh, <laughs> and I think I think one of them was basically, yeah, um, like, like odd one out for, for lack of a better word. I would give a category like name uh, a president of the United States who was elected as a Republican. And as long as your answer doesn't match anybody else, you get the point. That that. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's sheep beta, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's very it's difficult to pitch stuff like that as well, because if you don't know how many teams are coming in, mm -hmm. you don't know how big an answer space to set a lot of the time, I suppose. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily scale itself well, and you have to keep that in mind because, uh, you know, I knew at my live trivia shows I would get on average, you know, at this venue, I'd probably get 10 teams. It's, it's mm. going to be between 8 and 12. If, you know, 25 teams showed up that night and I had written a mechanics round that was kind of designed to be in the sweet spot at 10, that would have been a problem, which I think is why I've generally shied away from doing that. Um, but moving to the online space in 2020, it it's revitalized some create, creative juices so much that I want to find things that can scale uh, massively, if possible. Let's let's shoot the moon and get, you know, 15 players in a game. That would be great. The the other space that I feel mechanics rounds have had to shine recently, especially on the online space, is uh, music rounds. For various reasons. <laughs> Uh, we've had to go very creatively into kind of how we approach music rounds currently um, uh, because of, uh, you know, pending legal mm -hmm. things. Um, That's where I'm lucky where in general I don't do a lot of music rounds, but I know plenty of people do. Yeah, and it used to be a staple of my game and I had to approach it in a, like the first week that I went, do you know what? I'm not playing music anymore as a music round we're going to do something different um and it's like okay how do you approach this and being forced to be creative in how you write your rounds like that having that restriction um is both kind of has probably brought out some of my best ideas but also is stressful as a well writer. if you're 
If you're not using music rounds, do you have any other kinds of audio rounds that you've done that have, uh, you know, worked, not worked? Have you ever done anything different? So I've, I've never used audio that wasn't music, um, but I have done stuff like running famous... Uh, sorry, no, I tell a lie. I have <laughs> done audio that wasn't necessarily music because it was me singing it. Um, <gasps> tell us about this round! Okay, right. Uh, this round is uh, honestly something I used to do on an old panel show I used to host. Um, and uh, it's one song to the tune of another. That's the basis of it. So the lyrics of one song to the tune of another. I sing that and the teams have to give me both songs. So, James, and, you know how um, I've had conversations uh, with you in general about how I think you have some of the most creative mechanics rounds I've ever seen? Yeah. This is the most creative mechanics round I've ever seen. No shade. Uh, this was well. a thing of beauty. It happened on my stream, and I want Tipster to take, like, a minute and just bask in the explanation of how awesome this was. So the concept that I had for this particular one... Uh, it even had it even had story and plot behind it this time <laughs> like that's how in depth i got with this um but the idea was that i would sing lyrics to a popular song from one decade to the tune of a popular song from another decade and mash them together and make something beautiful yet terrifying at the same time um so for instance i did uh Hot, uh, Katy Perry's "Hot and Cold" to uh, the uh, is was it the Doors? I think it might have been. I'd have to go Riders, back. You... Riders on a Storm by the Doors, I think. <sighs> um, and uh, by the way, if uh, if you want to put clips of those in here, I don't. I'm perfectly fine with you doing that. Um, oh, if only but, they were readily available in my Discord from the day yes. after you did this and everybody said, hey, post those audio files for us. Hey, I want that as a ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> Some people genuinely said that. Um, uh, but it went down really well because it was not only like a trivia question, but also it was just a bit of fun. Like it was just going, hey, this works and it's weird. Um uh, I didn't ask them to name artists because it's not obvious who the artist is for me singing it, but just getting them to name the, name the songs. Um, oh, plus cover versions and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, it, it it went down... Like, I mean, you're a better judge of this than I am, Jason, but I feel like it went down really well. Gangbusters. <laughs> I, I am definitely going to, to try to get those audio files and attach them to the episode so that our listeners can experience this, this this amazingness. And I want you to, too. I can't talk all of a sudden. The the trouble with doing that kind of round often, though, is that was four days in the making, that round alone. Which uh, brings up a good question. How much do you dedicate to a, a unique mechanics round, even if it's especially if it's something you haven't done before? Oh, oh, it depends. It depends wildly. Um, for something that involves pictures or music, um, I will usually spend a long time on it because I've been kind of brought up in a TV and radio background. Mm. So the music has to be perfect. The pictures have to be perfect. Everything has to kind of mesh and 
and if I mess this up, then the whole round has gone down the toilet. Um, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I have to make sure that you know if I'm photoshopping two faces together that the skin tones blend well. If I'm doing music, I want to make sure that the fade ins and the fade outs are nice and clean and clear. And I I've never really thought about how much time I put into those kinds of categories but mm. i know that it's got to be hours upon hours over you know a week or more uh but at the same time it's it's lovingly crafting these things so it doesn't feel so much like work uh unless it's a you know like a strict deadline or something if it's something that i'm just creating for future use or for something that's coming up a month from now it's just I'm doing it because I want everybody to experience it, and I want that experience to be something magical or special to them. So where you're talking about taking a four days or more to you know, put lyrics to a different song, I, I imagine that your f happiness with the final product was something that you were uh, proud of, yeah? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, especially with some of those where um, it was like, there's some that I spent a good two hours trying to make blend together just um, kind of conceptually because oh, because the idea behind these two completely different songs being together just blows my mind. Um, uh, and yeah, it's it's a labor of love more than anything um, for those. Um, but there are mechanics rounds where it takes me less than uh, well, us less than an, a couple of hours um, to sort. Like, I, I find connections rounds fairly easy to write, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, yeah, your, your only connect style round mechanic, that thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, or um, the kind of sequences round. I, I Those didn't take long, but I still kind of put as much kind of love and attention into them. Um, and I, yeah, I don't tend to cap myself on time. The only cap that I give myself is the quiz must be out on Sunday. Um, and sometimes I, I feel that deadlineiness. Uh, my, my mistake is my quizzes, uh, pre COVID, um, they hit Monday night. So I would spend Monday afternoon writing them. So I had a hard, just six hour time window i woke up and said okay i have six hours to write these five rounds if i came up with a mechanic idea that i couldn't get done in say an hour i didn't do it and the advantage that i had is i don't tend to do multimedia questions for for various historical reasons i don't do a lot of picture questions either although i can now in the online space and i'm trying to get into that a little bit more but if i can just come up with a mechanic that works in text i think that you've got a decent shot at something See, my question to you there is, would you go, right, I can't do it this week, but next week, would you I'd, carry that over? I'd love to, but then I've already forgotten the idea. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like me then. You forget to write stuff down. Uh, exactly, or you write it exactly. down and you lose the bit of paper you wrote it down on because it's gone <laughs> through the wash. All right, I think we've covered a lot of uh, good stuff here in our roundtable discussion. I'm going to throw it to you guys real quick. Uh, just one mechanic you've done that you like that we didn't bring up yet and just give a real quick synopsis of it. Uh, James, we'll start with you. 
Yeah, uh, whenever I go to one of these fundraising venues, what I've noticed, uh, like I'll take the name of the place that I'm going, and I will come up with a, like a between round sheet that has like 20 or 30 questions, and all of the answers come from the letters of the venue. So uh, there was one time that I did uh, a high school, it was called Assumption. So I took the word Assumption, figured out just about every word that I could pull from those letters and I started to make uh, crossword type clues that went with them. So there were going to be lots of questions, lots of answers, probably a lot of easy ones, but at the same time, so many of them that it's probably going to uh, vary how many people are, are going to get uh, most of them, some of them, uh, etc. And it, it turned out to be something that they really enjoyed, something for the people that maybe weren't able to uh, do well at the questions I was asking, they could work on the sheet while I was asking those questions for the round. So that has been uh, one of the more successful things that I've done. Very solid. I like it. Now, is that a letter bank or is it uh, like a sub anagram kind of situation? Uh, like a sub anagram. So you can only use like the letter A in assumption. You can only use that once. But okay. There are two S's. So yeah, you can grab those. All right. How about uh, you, tipster? Yeah, it's it's one of those where I wish I could have two, like, you know, a round going in the background whilst also having another round going on. But unfortunately, it's very difficult to do that in the online space. Um, but um, one of my favorite um, uh, uh, mechanics rounds that I've written is honestly one I did last week called Cryptic Cookbook. And what mm, this is, yeah. is you give them a picture clue. Um, you start off by taking the thing that's in that picture and then you do basically a bit of word play with it like uh you show them a picture of vanilla ice and you say uh take off the flavoring and add a few dimensions what do you end up with in the world of music and it kind of hits all the notes for me in terms of what makes a good mechanics round because if they don't uh, i kind of gave the proviso of if you don't get the second half that's fine just give me the first half and i'll give you half marks um and it's you know it's a bit of fun it's it's not necessarily just asking for a thing that is general knowledge it's um you know asking you to kind of take this word and think about how how it works um so for me that's probably one of um like the favorite mechanics rounds that I've written that isn't one of my staples um, that and isn't me singing and shattering everybody's eardrums. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, what about yourself, Jason? Uh, my, my usual wheelhouse for mechanics rounds is uh, running stuff through a thesaurus, uh, song lyrics, band names, film titles, that kind of stuff. Anytime I can take something that's not, particularly difficult to ask about and rephrase it in an intentionally obscured way that is it's kind of signature me so uh just top of my head example kings of leon the music act could be alternately named monarchs from a historical region of france oh yeah <laughs> i like that one yeah i've done i've done that as a mechanics round probably 20 25 times over the years it is it is the wheelhousey-ist of wheelhouse things that i have that that thesaurus in your brain is is very big at this point it kind of is it's 
it's how can I take this idea that I think you're going to know if I just ask you a regular question about it and then ask you an easy question in a hard ass way. Uh, I love language. I love messing around with linguistics and wordplay just all the time. And I think you guys both do too, from having seen your experiences and your, uh, your question types. Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, <laughs> sometimes you get hilarious results like translating Enrique Iglesias's hero to have the final line. I will let you choke me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, oh, you know, that was, Jason, that was likes my Elizabeth, Jason likes Elizabeth Banks. You like Enrique Iglesias. That's fine. Uh, I, 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 nobody's uh, here to king shame anybody. Tips are fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Nothing's on fire. <laughs> Nothing is on fire, I hope. Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. I think we've run out of gas on this uh, particular instance of the roundtable discussion um are you guys willing to discuss more mechanics at a future date i think there's a lot of stuff that we could go into down the road and maybe uh, rehash or even have uh listeners submit requests for talking about rounds that they liked or rounds that they've seen letting us know and we could kind of check chip in on that at some point down the road i'd certainly yeah. be up for that yeah uh, i'd even say like if the listeners had some ideas or something and they wanted to challenge us to write a question or two in that kind of mechanic maybe that'd be something that we could share and you know see if we can be successful at it yeah you know james speaking of having the listeners challenge us to write questions guess what time it is well what time is it jason it's time for this week's keyword challenge brought to you oh we don't have a sponsor never mind uh tipster this is now going to be the second time you've done this do you want to take a few moments and tell the nice listeners at home exactly how this works because you are an expert now uh, yes, I suppose I am. Um, so how this works is you, yes, you, the listeners, uh, can submit, uh, your own keyword for us to write, uh, us to write questions on. We're going to do our, do our best to write a question on a keyword that a member of the community has submitted. You can submit your own keywords at quadriviapodcast.com or email us quadriviapod at gmail.com. Um, and... Each week, we will uh, draw a random keyword from a random member of the community. And uh, have you got this week's keyword there, Jason? I do. And I have to thank, uh, I think this is a person that two of the three of us know. It's a regular in my online community, and I believe they pop their head into your streams as well, Tipster. This is mm-hmm. Bass Ackwards out of uh, Toronto, Canada, which I hear is lovely this time of year. So, James and Tipster, are you ready for this week's keyword? And we'll have 10 minutes uh, once we hear it to craft the single best question we can. Let's yep. go. Okay. Well, it's it's no accident that this week's keyword is accidents. Gentlemen, I'll see you on the other side. Sounds good. See you then. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you that you can check us out online at QuadriviaPod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. And it's no accident that we are back after that surprisingly erotic sounding uh, socials drop there in the middle. Uh, <laughs> Tipster and James, hopefully the 10 minutes uh, has seen you well and hopefully creative and we'll find out together, I guess. How did this I, keyword treat you guys? 
Uh, I will be honest, I beat the clock by like a margin of seconds on this. I was looking at this with just choice paralysis written all over <laughs> me. Because it's like, where do I go with this? What do I do with this? What, you know, what, what, what even general category do I go into on this? Um, well, yeah, it's... One it of, was... it, it, sorry, man. Uh, one of the odd things about this word you know it's like you get into some things that are a little deep you don't want to ask questions that are going to be depressing you know those kinds of accidents so having to come up with something a little bit lighthearted was kind of difficult for me so that was my stumbling block in all of this yeah mm -hmm. i won't disagree with that fortunately it's it's a very vague kind of trivia topic you know the the, the ask wasn't you know louis the 16th or something it was just a word a commonplace word and we can get creative with that let's see just how creative we got and hopefully we don't replicate the situation from last week's episode where 75 percent of us wrote the same question same question <laughs> i can guarantee i didn't write the same thing tipster did i'm i'm hoping nobody wrote the same as me because it took a while to to kind of i had to dig deep to find this um, All right, well, let's, I'm ready to hear it whenever you are. Okay. Accidentally discovered by Constantin Falberg in 1877, the not-so-sweet-sounding constituent of coltar and hydrofosulfamine benzoic acid is better known under what trade name? Huh. I haven't had any andro... <laughs> I I'm, haven't I'm had any. Hold I'm going to try let's, that again. Let's all Three, take two, a moment one. and try to read this word. <laughs> Go ahead. Anhydro. Yeah, this An is uh, anhydro orthosulfamine. Oh, I was so close. Sulfamine benzoic acid. There we go. Anhydro orthosulfamine benzoic acid. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a splendid question because I think that you are getting us to some kind of artificial sweetener right now. And now, do I know exactly which? artificial sweetener it was in 1877 not specifically could that and and i'll defer to, to james to confirm could that just be aspartame huh but it, it does say that it's a not so sweet sounding constituent of coal tar so i'm thinking it's not going to be a sweetener that's I, what i'm seeing yeah. Well, my headspace is I'm either right on what the hint is or i have no clue what to even begin to guess I'm trying to think of what's in coal tar that, hmm, that we would, you know, that something that would have been accidentally discovered, you know, and, and all these accidental discoveries, I'm trying to think of things, you know, obviously penicillin. I know that Dove soap was an accident. Um, mm. What else? Uh, you know, 1877. You know, X-rays were, were discovered by accident, if that helps. Yeah, but... But this is a, a, a product, an actual tangible thing, it sounds like. Um, anhydro means that it is... Not hydro. Uh, it, yeah, not... It, it's like probably water repellent, if you will. Maybe. Um, I'm going to well, sort of steer you along the right lines here. So the, sure. the, uh, Jason was picking up on the not-so-sweet-sounding clue quite quite well there you, you are looking okay. for something that is that is sweet the not so sweet referring to the the name long not. word yeah. okay well if you want to go with a sweetener would that be the time saccharin maybe was discovered it could be but i 
see, and this is a gap in my head. I just thought saccharin came from the root word for sweet, saccharine. I, I don't associate that word with an artificial sweetener, but that I could be very wrong on that. Uh, I like saccharin before aspartame for the timing, but I, I feel yeah. like I learned at some point in my life that one of those two was discovered accidentally and came from like a really weird source. So let's what go saccharin. Have... Yeah, let's go okay. saccharin and see what happens. It is saccharin. Right. Good pull, oh, James. It is saccharin. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, I, judging by how that went there, I feel like the not so sweet hint could go either way if this played out kind of wider um it it's it am i getting the right impression there mm -hmm. i think so and i i should have realized that you said trade name and aspartame is the chemical name for i think equal or whatever the other one is that's uh sweet and low one of those two is the trade name for aspartame so i'm glad that there was a james on my team for this one to, to take <laughs> to take the ball and kind of run with it across the goal line because that's how sports work yeah I think uh, NutraSweet, isn't that? Uh, NutraSweet is the one uh, I, I was aspartame? pulling. Or, or lack of yeah. pulling, yeah. And the pink packet, Sweet and Low, is what used saccharin quite a lot. So uh, that might also be what you were thinking of as well. That's a possibility. Do, do you have Sweet and Low over there across the pond? Not really, no. Um, I think of course, the, we don't really. The two, uh, you know, that... the two big artificial sweet, sweetness we have over here are Splendor, which mm. comes in like a red jar. And that's about it, really. Boy, they get artificial sweeteners in jars over there. We just get little packets on our tables. I'm trying to <laughs> picture mistaking like a jar of Splenda for a jar of Marmite or something and just having a bad mm -hmm. day no matter which one you pick. <laughs> there you go. That's that's our new uh, that's our new creative outlet is we just we bring guests on. We have them randomly sample something from a jar of Splenda, a jar of Marmite, and a jar of, um, what's the third one I want to add? Nutella. There we go. Ooh. I'll take the Nutella all day long. Likewise. Well, that's the thing. You don't know. You just have to dip your finger in and find out. <laughs> it's a uh, terrible idea. We really shouldn't uh, do this. Mm, no. Yeah. If, if it weren't for the very, very difficult to pronounce scientific word in there, uh, I have no notes for this question. I know that you need that word. But it is anhydroorthosulfamine benzoic acid. If there was any way to truncate that or put a pronunciation guide or, or something yeah, in there, so I it, it would tickle my fancy a little fancier. That's fair. I mean, I I purely did it for comedic value of me trying to say the damn thing. To be to be quite honest with you. <laughs> oh, nothing um, wrong with that. Uh, but yeah, it does look, uh, now that I'm looking at it again, it does look scary on a page. Uh, it's, it's one of those, oh, that's a long science word and I don't do science. So I probably don't <laughs> know that kind yeah, of feel. I'm, I own up to not being able to pronounce stuff. And usually when I'm doing a show, it's up on the screen. So, you know, I, first I stumble through it and then I like go to somebody's table and I say, how do you say it, sir? Or something like that. Oh, imagine doing that with this. This is the kind of question I would write and spend an hour studying how to pronounce the word and then just sending it to my cohorts and not giving them the pronunciation <laughs> guide, knowing full well that they don't look at the questions in advance. They just kind of read them from the prompt and just so, imagining them trying to 
anhydrothosulfime. So there is a, a truncated name for for that compound, and it's saccharin. Uh, funnily enough, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so, probably why they gave it that name. And it all makes sense now. So my question is, and I don't expect an answer. So the scientist is dicking around with coal tar, right? Yeah. And discovers a very <laughs> sweet product that he had yeah. to determine was a very sweet product. Did he did he lick the science? Uh, I, You're not supposed in, to lick the spoon, but he, that in, sounds he like he did. He indirectly licked the science because he didn't wash his hands um, whilst he was eating. So he, he did his science and then he went to go eat and didn't wash his hands. So indirectly licked the science. I don't know if that's better. I don't know either, but this was like late 1800s. Oh, that's that's fair. Back in those days of Dissera and Colentary and... Yeah, that happened. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dissera and Colentary. Yeah, I spoonerized 19th century diseases because yes, it's... Yes, you did. I, I'm tired of today, apparently. <laughs> that, that took like a full couple of seconds for me to realize what you were trying to say there. It took a couple of seconds for me to realize I had done it. Okay, let's move on from this madness. Jason, what have you got? Well, uh, I did not go with the lick the science route on this question. Let's see <laughs> if this treats you any better. Uh, here's mine. According to a well-known quote by former United States Air Force Master Sergeant Robert Norman Ross, mistakes do not exist. Instead, referring to them as what specific type of accidents? Oh, I uh... I love this question. I didn't know yeah. they were in the Air Force. You know, that's uh, tickling the back of my brain. I think I had heard this before, but boy, you just don't see that in this gentleman's personality, you know? Yeah, 20, exactly. 20 years as uh, a Master Sergeant in the Air Force. He was he was the guy who yelled at people, which explains a lot of what you know about him now. Uh, do what I? If he didn't, what if he didn't yell at people? What if, what if he was... Just quietly threatening, because that is the most <laughs> imposing kind of threatening. It's yeah, like, what, if, what if he got so sick of being the guy who yelled at you for 20 years that he never raised his voice again? <laughs> An actual fact. That uh, That's actually why... Uh, is that why they went into painting? Uh, not the reason they went into painting, per se, but the reason that they became uh, what what is known now as the godfather of ASMR. Okay. I think um, both myself and James are on similar similar lines on this. That person is yeah. is Bob Ross, right? It is, yes. Yeah. And okay. so the types of accidents that we're talking to are happy little accidents. Trees. Well, well, well there, there are lots there are of happy, happy little, little trees, yeah. things in the Bob Ross world, notably <laughs> trees and accidents. Yeah, it might have been a little cloud. It might have been a, a fence, you know, but, uh, you know, everything... Everything has its place, and everything has a, 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 a way to, to be in this painting. It's your world. It's your environment. You do with it what you want to do. Keep going. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, like, you like it snowy over here? You like it sunny over here? That's your, that's your prerogative. If you want to have two seasons on your canvas, so you have I'm, two seasons. I'm you just want four seasons? I'm just Land, imagining total landscaping, like yeah. a as like a sergeant major now it's like you want four seasons you have four seasons you know just like quietly threatening it's like you do what you want i'm telling you you can do what you want but private, i'm not actually private. telling you you can do what you want 
Like, did you did you wreck that Jeep, Private? I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna have KP duty for a long, long time. A lot of potatoes are gonna get peeled by you, and that's gonna be a fact. You know, if you miss Reveille, Ensign, you're not gonna have a mistake. You're gonna have a happy little accident. <laughs> that, oh, oh my gosh, what are we what are we doing to this poor man's memory? I, oh, I, know, I support right? this headcanon so strongly right now. Oh my goodness. I, I want... apologize, Bob, on everybody's behalf. On, on one hand, Bob, I am so sorry. On the other, I want to see like a series of like Bob Ross being Sergeant Major <laughs> at, at a military base and still having that kind of persona, but also being very lightly threatening to people. To oh, you know, people who don't raise their voices are the ones you have to worry about the most. Oh, hi, yeah. hi, my wife. <laughs> it's when she's talking to you calmly and rationally that you know you're really in trouble <laughs> uh yeah other than riffing on the the late and the very very great pop ross what do you guys think of the question uh I, I think that yeah uh the the question had good facts in it it had good uh clues in it um if you had it in front of you which uh, luckily i did in print because as you went through the question uh, just audibly, and you said U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant Robert Norman Ross, and if that escapes your mind, uh, you don't get to look back at it and say, oh, well, his last name was Ross, and first name, you can call him Bob. Uh, so, you know, just hearing the question at first, uh, it may have slid by you, but uh, I think that all in all, you listen to the whole question, you get it all in there, and it all comes together quite nicely. And since it's kind of that fact where we were all a little surprised about him being that U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant. That's that's what trivia is about, getting those little factoids that you didn't know, even if it's uh, what you might call a question that uh, a lot of people might realize and might know, but uh, you have something in there that they didn't. Yeah, to me, when I, when I approached writing that, it was definitely information through obfuscation by giving you the full title and the, the redirect on Air Force and the middle name and just... It's easy to ask the Bob Ross quote that has accidents in it, so I had to try to hide the the fun <laughs> facts somehow. Yeah, I, I I love questions like that where the where the ask is not necessarily the most complicated part of it. Um, like uh, and it's like even if you get this wrong, you have learned something by listening to this question. Mm -hmm. Um, so like that, yeah, and. As soon as you latch on to Robert Norman Ross, that big clue there, it's like, okay, I get where this is going now. Um, so, ha like, it's got enough to clue in. As long as you know who Bob Ross is, it's got enough to clue you in there. I, uh, I tried like hell to work. find threatening sounding things in his biography. And other than the, the Air Force stuff, there just isn't, man. He's 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 who you think he is. It's not a persona. This is just a really this this was a chill, a chill dude. Yeah, on your first read through, you know, you get that US Air Force. So instantly, your mind goes to, you know, a uniformed soldier type person. And then when, you know, mistakes do not exist, you almost expect Robert Patton to be yelling that in your face. And then all of a sudden, the question turned around and it's like, "Wait a minute." Uh, specific types of accidents, I know exactly what you're talking about. It just completely whiplashed my brain in a good way. See, my original, um, when I when I hadn't seen Robert Norman Ross 
as part of the question, I was going down the the Lee Emery route, the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. It's like, what kind of accidents does do they talk about? I don't know, because I know that their 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 first like I'm fairly sure their first initial is is R. R. It is. Yeah, his name is R. Lee Ermy. Oh, Ermy! I've been calling him Emery this whole time. Yeah, you were close. <laughs> It's close enough. Uh, just, just don't call him that to his face. I, I, I don't plan to. I don't plan to. All right, we're we're two for two. I think, James, do you want to bring us on home with the keyword challenge? Yeah, let's go. All right. So it's not commonplace for folks in the United States to follow international sports, but I think it's safe to say that most Americans know Slovenian athlete Vinko Bogataj, though they might not know him by name. He became famous in America by accident when his ill-fated ski jump became the agony of defeat on what TV show's opening? Feel free to take this one, Tipster, because I've written a version of this question at some point in the past, so I've, I've got it locked down. I, I mean, this is unfortunately all you because this is very America-centric, and I don't, like, I don't latch on. It's sports, which is my weakest subject generally, uh, America-centric sports show that I've probably never heard of. So, uh, Ski Sunday? Uh, <laughs> don't know. Um, Grandstand? No, those are all British shows. Uh, my head is just full of British sports shows now, and I know that's not the case. Um, uh, Cricket Night in the UK. Got it. Cricket. That's that's test match special. Thank you very much. Um, oh God, it's a thing. All right, it's uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I I don't know well, where let, to go me, with this. Let me ask if you know any of the just national television networks over here. Uh, some of the basic ones. We're not talking about cable. Do you know any of them at all? So you've got NBC, ABC. Uh huh. Uh huh. Go with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's ABC. Uh huh. And you know when when you've got uh, an entire globe of athletic competition, you might call it the world like an expansive of planet. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's close. Why don't you take it? The rest of it there. Yeah, that would be uh, ABC's Wide World of Sports. Okay. Yeah, this was a show for all the oddball sports that normally wouldn't get televised so they would go across the globe yeah finding different things and it was actually 50 years ago on march 21st that uh this fella took the ski jump he had actually made some successful ski jumps earlier in the day but the snow kept falling and it made the ramp too fast he tried to slow himself down and it just didn't work and they happened to be filming at that time uh he actually ended up going to a celebration of the anniversary of Wide World of Sports in 1981, and he received the <laughs> loudest ovation of any athlete that was introduced, and Muhammad Ali asked him for his autograph. Oh, that's that wonderful. Amazing. Um, he, yeah. yeah, he didn't even, didn't even realize he was famous until he went to that celebration. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you're not famous in your home country, but when you go to somewhere else, you've become this icon um, it's, hey, does does that make him kind of a prototypical meme? I uh, maybe 
I suppose, yeah. Like Velocity Vinko or something? Yeah, I mean, he was um, the agony of defeat for years and years. I mean, they, they would always, uh, the way the spiel would go is they would show the thrill of victory, and they had all sorts of clips that went with that. But then the agony of defeat, and it was always, boom, there you have Vinko falling off the ski jump. Poor guy. It's, it's hide the pain Harold. That's what it is. It's an <laughs> early hide the pain Harold. That's what this is. I love that. All right, so in this keyword challenge, we've learned about a scientist who didn't lick his hands, thank God. Uh, we learned about Marine or U.S. Air Force uh, Master Sergeant Bob Ross, and we learned of Slovenian meme hero Vinko Pogataj. I don't think collectively we could have done any better with this keyword. <laughs> we, we all went very different directions with this. <laughs> yeah, learned a lot from each other as well, I think. Yeah. Like how to pronounce anhydroorphosulfamide benzoic, sulfamine benzoic acid. One of these stakes will get it right. Yeah, one of these days. I, if I were in the listener's shoes, I would have a very hard time deciding which of these were my favorite. So, uh, Tipster, do you want to tell the people how they can decide which one of these is their favorite? Uh, yes, so you can head over to quadriviapodcast.com and cast your vote uh, for whoever's question you think is your favorite Corey's probably going to be on the list for some reason please don't vote them <laughs> I, I i have to change the password on that website and then we'll solve all our problems <laughs> so as before i send you guys on out of here i i got inspired in a sense by our uh, roundtable discussion on mechanics rounds and i have a mechanics round of my own i'd like to present are you guys game for it okay oh, i'd love to hear it yeah yeah go for it so this isn't one that, that came up during our roundtable discussion intentionally because I didn't want to discuss it until we could get into this portion. But this is, it's an extension of a couple ideas that I put together. It's called This, That, and The Other. Right. So the mechanic is every correct answer in this round is going to be a famous set of three, but all the clues are going to be very vaguely connected to them and not in the way that you associate them with the trio that they're in. Right. So hmm, to give okay. you and the I listeners an example, um, this trio could be clued what to do in the name of love, what to do like it's hot, and what to let the good times do. Stop, drop, and roll? Exactly. Yep. Stop, yep. drop, and roll, yeah. The Supreme song, Stop in the Name of Love, uh, Drop It Like It's Hot, I believe, with Snoop Dogg. And yes. uh, the cars with Let the Good Times Roll. So it has nothing to do with the, the three-word phrase that apparently is what happens when everything's on fire. Uh, so it allowed me to be a little creative. Um, the same mechanic will extend throughout all 10 questions. So I can be kind of brief and terse with the ask. And you just have to take that information. Like we talked about in the round table and run it through the, the function of come up with a famous set of three and then spit that out as your answer. Is the reason Beautiful. you chose stop, drop and roll as the example is because nothing is on fire. Everything is fine. I wish it were, but no, truth is, this is a round I originally presented uh, a little over a year ago at my live shows, and that was the example that I used for my live teams. Because okay. I wanted I wanted people to get the gist of what the round was about with a not particularly difficult example where both the famous set of three and each of the constituent elements were gettable. Fair, fair. Um, it's it's me being egocentric and thinking that you wrote the example specifically to do with a certain catchphrase. If if you want to take that to the bank, I am not going to tell you not to cash that check, buddy. Fair. 
All right, James and Tipster, are you ready for number one? Go. Let's do it. Yep. All right, here's number one for you. Kwame's element, Linka's element, Wheeler's element. Okay. Oh, boy. Um, Kwame, Linka, Kwame. and Wheeler. Uh, is, this, huh. is this Earth, Wind, and Fire? Well, why would you think it's Earth, Wind, and Fire? I, I, I don't think it's chemical elements. I can't think of a group of three chemical elements. So I'm thinking this is a clue from, I don't know, Avatar The Last Airbender or something. Um, oh, close, but not exactly right. You're right on the answer. It is earth, wind, and fire. Uh, is this from, um, is it from the fifth element? No, but it is from something that no. has five elements, and that fifth element was heart, if that helps. Oh, oh. I know what this is. This is um, Magic the Gap. No, it's Captain Planet, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are those are three of the five planeteers from Captain Planet. Kwame, Linka, Wheeler. You also had Guy and Mati. Oh, that was not one of those 90s shows that I followed. Of you know, knew about it, but never did watch it. But, uh, you know, you came up with a, a good pull there on elements. You know, I, I wasn't thinking along the lines of oxygen and carbon. So uh, I absolutely agreed with what you said, and it was a mm. very good... Uh, pull of the uh, answer there i don't no, think get... we had captain planet over here as well to be fair <laughs> it was just element okay right what elements do i know that go together uh, earth wind and fire <laughs> well tipster if you think that question was americentric you're gonna love this one. Oh goodness uh james go ahead and get your your back brace on because i think you're gonna do some lifting on this uh number okay. two current penguin former texan former laker Oh boy! If you thought you were bad at American sports, tipster, uh, I, um, all I'm seeing is current penguin and going. That's me. Uh, <laughs> I was like, told you, e the told you, egocentric. Uh, unfortunately, at this time of night, um, I assume this the... is Pittsburgh Penguins that it's talking about. You see that I don't even know <laughs> the city. The, the first thing that came to my mind when I heard current penguin is, oh, there's a new Batman movie out, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I mean, potentially, potentially. I mean, you have to remember I'm me, so that's not a bad direction to think. I, I'll, I'll give you the hint that this does what it says on the tin more than that, but fair enough for knowing your host. Okay, so it's not DeVito. Uh... Uh, you know, former Laker is the only thing that I can think of that I might be able to get anything. Uh, is Magic Johnson a former Laker? See, Tipster, you're just, i you don't even uh, know, no, do you? No, I don't. I don't. And I'm trying to think, like, if we had Magic or Johnson in there, something, something and Magic, something, something and Johnson. Is it Johnson, Johnson and Johnson? It is not. <laughs> I will oh. point out, though, that all of these will be presented in the standard order in which the trio is best known. So you're right to okay. think that it would be something, something and former laker right so no I, extra chicanery I really, there i really have nothing that i can pull on this one at all i i can't i don't know any current pittsburgh penguin players i don't know any former texans um and uh, it's too wide a net for me to even think of former lakers um, all right i'm gonna i'm gonna make a guess this will be our official guess all right we're gonna go oh. with uh Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. 
Uh, not in this case. I thought this was a sweet question. Uh, my friend Judy Blue Eyes disagreed. And nothing mm -hmm. on that. Cool. No. Okay. Uh, the current penguin is... Uh, why can't I think of his first name now? Oh, I'm having such a moment. Sidney Crosby. The okay. former Crosby Texan. Nash and Stills. Okay. The, the former Texan is Stephen Stills, and the former Laker is Steve Nash for Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That's a trio. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. It's That's a trio. I very, very U.S. sports con, though. I will concede that. Yeah. Yeah, sports is just not in my wheelhouse at all. Well, we'll see. Not a bad, yeah, not we'll a bad see. question by any means. So, we'll see if number three treats you a little better. Not to do okay. with sports. Uh, bit of hair, food thickener, big volume measurement. Uh, pint could be gallon, barrel, barrel. Uh, yeah, peck, lock, stock, and barrel. Hey, hey, there you go. A bit of hair is a lock. And a food thickener stock? It, yeah, stock. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, you guys have not. sussed it out uh, exactly right. And that's what I love about a round like this is if somebody on your team can can throw out shotgun guesses that hit on one end, the rest of the team can kind of back solve the other two, and you can you can approach the answer point with some confidence, just like yeah. you guys did. Uh, big volume measurement was intended to be vaguely worded for, for reasons, uh, but you did get to the keyword barrel there and then figured out that bit of hair in this case was lock and that you can thicken food with a stock. Well done. Thanks. Nice. Yeah. All right. Number four coming through right now. And this one... Uh, probably going to play a little easier for James than Tipster again. My apologies on that. <laughs> but you've got Balky Relative, Fictional Bartender, Globetrotting Neil. Um, the, the bartender from Cheers, which, knowing yeah. our host, it's likely the bartender from Cheers. Um, no, actu actually, uh, you said Mo uh, from yeah. The Simpsons, yeah? Yeah. And I can tell you, uh, being a child of 80s sitcoms, uh, TGIF, Balky's relative is named Larry. Larry, Mo, and Curly. Yep, that's what it's going to be. Okay. Yeah, and it very much is. Larry Appleton from uh, Perfect Strangers, Mo Sislak from The Simpsons, and Curly Neal, one of the uh, the founding and best-known members of the Harlem Globetrotters. Teamwork once again. Yeah. Ooh, this one might play a little better internationally. In fact, at least on two different directions. So here comes number five in a moment. Okay. I'm loving these, by the way. These are like... Thank you. Amazing, because... The, the, what I aim for with a lot of stuff that I write is that it's it's a you get something you get the spark and then you get the whole thing and this mm. hits that perfectly on it scratches head. that itch for you beautiful yeah number five uh, the clues are all musical you have Rush's Barchetta Dido's Flag Orgy's Monday uh, Red White and Blue yeah uh, I was now Orgy doing Blue Monday I thought that was um ah. Uh, New, New Order. order. But maybe it was New Order anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Orgy, yeah, so. um, as an industrial like alternative hard rock group from the late 90s, right around 2000, uh, did a pretty updated cover of New Order's Blue Monday. So you guys have this one kind of an instigate. Rush, uh, Canadian music act with Red Barchetta. Dido mm -hmm. from the UK with White Flag. And Orgy is from Slovakia, I think. I don't know. I will be honest, it's Dido that got me there. <laughs> I was like, okay, white flag, right? What what trio has white in the middle? Oh, right, yeah. America does. Sure does. So even though uh, this was international con, this wasn't really international con. So does France. So does the US. 
you don't own red, white, and blue. And it, this is a this is a a, 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 a a what do you call it? Ultimatum to the states. You don't own red, <laughs> white, and blue. Many other countries have that. It's not just your thing. Yeah. Well, we did it first. I'm pretty we sure do we did own it first. Predator, <laughs> so we can agree to disagree. I guess. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number six coming through. Uh, it's a little bit more of a shotgun one. Prey performer, Neidhart nickname, OB Need. Hmm. The only, the OB only... Need. Is that like, obst- like an obstetrician? It could be. Winks. What do they need? Forceps? That doesn't go in a trio that I know of. No. Um, my My brain is going on Prey performer, and I'm like... That's either a song or it's a, I don't know, priest. Uh, like, no, it's got to be a, a. It has to be a song. I would think. I I would I, guess in it because it's in quotation marks, which the listeners at home can't yeah. see. Um, yeah. I my brain goes take that, and that's like that's not a trio. <laughs> that's not going nowhere in a trio. Um. Oh. I don't recognize the name Needheart at all, unfortunately. It's um, for what it's worth, it's pronounced Nightheart, and maybe that'll bump the punch bowl, but maybe not. I uh, nothing's nothing's coming over here. Um Mm-mm. I I can't even latch on to the prey performer and that it sounds like it should be in my wheel wheelhouse because it sounds like it's music. But nah. I, I will concede yeah. when I did this at my live show, this was probably the one with the worst get rate. I still defend it. It's just they're very weird clues. And in at least one case, uh, arguably two very kind of expert level clues in their particular topics. Okay. Like inaccessible to people who aren't fans of this genre of music or this uh, other entertainment thing. Uh, are you throwing in the the tipster towel on this? Uh, the tea drenched towel is being thrown in the <laughs> ring. Yes. Well, you, you were starting to kind of tease it out on the third end, the OB need. There are other needs that OBs would have other than forceps, uh, especially in their office. Can you think of any that would work? Ultrasound. Uh, <laughs> um, an extension of a table. A leaf? <laughs> I Remind thank- me not to, to, to go into OB with you and your family. It's like a Thanksgiving uh, table in there. Can we, can we establish what OB is first, by the way, for uh, the uneducated amongst us? Uh, obstetrician. Which Baby is... doctor. Oh, right. Okay. All right. So when and you as said such, stirrups, yep. we, we... I got the other two now. At least I think I do. Uh, I'm going to say it's a uh, it's a hammer and anvil. I think maybe not in that order though. Okay, yeah. Well, you you got it. Uh, Prey was one of the less known successful songs of the now Reverend MC Hammer. Uh, in oh. pro wrestling parlance, uh, a member of the Hart family, Jim Neidhart, went by the moniker the Anvil. Anvil, yep. Jim the Anvil Nightheart, yeah, he married into the the Heart Dynasty, if I remember correctly. You know, and I then, mean, of course, I think uh, that the stirrups. Yeah, if we had come across stirrups on that last one, I think I mean because when you said it, I instantly was able to just pick up uh, the other one. So, uh, even though you may have had hard clues on the front side there, uh, once again, I think just if we had more people talking it over and mm. more shotgunning, it probably would have come out all right. If yeah, I and that's. Known- if I'd have known what an obstetrician was, uh, 
because I think we just called them midwives most of the time over here, um, or matrons, and yeah, then I think we may have got there eventually. Yeah, here at least in the U.S., the the difference being that it is a doctor, it is a a a, a thing for which you get a medical license to do. Uh, and okay. it it's not just childbirth; it's the pregnancy process as well, specifically. Okay. So they're they're often also gynecologists, which is why the overall term here in the states is OBGYN. Okay. Yeah, that one of those makes doctors. Sense now. All right, now that I've mansplained uh, baby medicine, should we get into number seven? <laughs> <laughs> How is Babby formed anyway? So. Well, when Mommy and Duddy love each other muchly. <laughs> they touch in a special way, and then a stork arrives. Ken, I'm going to need a clip of just they touch in a special way for, for personal reasons. Number seven. Transcendentalist <laughs> author, 90s talk show host, beloved golfer. You can't just hard cut from I need. <laughs> they touch in a special way. Oh, watch oh, me both whip and nay-nay my way through that hard cut. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, transcendentalist author. I'm not exactly sure what a transcendentalist author I, is. I, I've got no... Oh, my goodness. I, I'm i trying to figure out... Uh, beloved golfers. Okay. So you've got... Oh, Jack Nicklaus, uh, Tiger Woods, um, Ernie Els, um, Brain is 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 just going through golfers right now to see if we can get something. Um, I'm trying to think of some '90s talk show hosts. I imagine we're talking about U.S. hosts. Uh, not a fair, like, not an unfair assumption there. You know, got Oprah. You've got <clears throat> Geraldo. Sally Jesse Raphael. I think I might even be going into the 80s there, actually. Uh, 90s. I mean, everybody had a talk show in the 90s. I think Tempest Bledsoe had a talk show at one point. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the uh, Carney Wilson, she had a talk show. I actually um, re I, I remember that one, actually. Yeah. I mean, Drew Barrymore's just got one now. That doesn't help us, but. Um, I. So. I'm I'm still racking my brains. Transcendentalist author, the only one I can think of is Ripley. Does Ripley go in a trio? Yeah, you know, believe it or not, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Ricky Lake, she had a talk show host. She was a talk show host. Uh, something is... Lake and uh, go ahead. <laughs> is this Huey Louie and Dewey? It is not. Oh heck! Just, just hey, worth a shot. But, but uh, think uh, it, think it through here, James. You're you're pulling the threads. All right. So if it's uh, if it is Ricky Lake, uh, something Lake and blank, blank Lake and blank. You got any uh, trios that you can think of? My my brain is going something Ricky and blank. Um. As opposed to something lake and blank, because I can't think of anything with lake in the middle of a trio. Oh, I'm just sitting Nikki, here with a grin. Nikki, Ricky, and Dicky. Who knows? Like, <laughs> have we said the beloved golfer's name as of yet? No, you have not. Uh, Nick uh, Faldo. <laughs> 
Lake and Faldo. Um, <laughs> well, I was going along the Ricky and Nicky line. Ricky and Nick. Yeah. Or I love Ricky hearing the Nick. process make its way through. Uh, Dick, Rick, and are, Nick. Are we going with the assumption that Ricky Lake is the correct person we're thinking of? Ricky or Lake is just... the correct person, yes. Okay. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely uh, surprised with all the golfers you've named. You haven't named this beloved golfer yet. <laughs> what? Hold on. I, I don't know any golfers, let alone beloved them. So, um, uh, who is, you know, like, well, it's Fuzzy not Seve Ballesteros. That's not going to fit there, is it? Um, no, you said, you said Nicholas, you said Woods, VJ you said Ballesteros, Els, Singh. Haven't come up with, with, yeah. No, you know, we could probably sit here for a while, but I, I think that we're going to have to. It would take me sitting here until the next Masters happens to, like, come up with this golfer, because I'm drawing a blank, honestly. Uh, I guess if you were a lucky man, you might have been able to pick this one up. Uh, Transcendentalist author, famed uh, Walden offer, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Does that bump the punch bowl at all? Uh, Emerson. Emerson Lake. Ralph. And... Ralph. Rick, Ralph. No. Uh, no. I've got, no, it doesn't. I've got nothing. Golfer has a drink named after him. Arnold Palmer. Emerson Lake and Palmer. Piano uh, makers? Uh, <laughs> no, famous English I... super group from the 70s. Well, that's tipster. Oh. Do you know who they are? <laughs> that 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 has gone under my radar. <laughs> Emerson Lake and Palmer. Yep. Oh my oh, goodness. What I love about this is that this is going out onto the internet for everyone to hear <laughs> our ignorance. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, I'm even in the age group where I probably should have heard of them, but honestly, that I I cannot think of who they are at all. Oh, you, you've probably heard their song "Lucky Man" at some point on classic rock, rock radio. Rock. Yeah, okay. Fanfare the, for the common man, uh, "C'est la vie." They had they had some hits. Yeah, they had some hits. I just brain blanked on them for some reason. My brain didn't go to seventies prog rock. Uh, Why would it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Right? <laughs> to be fair, they're also known for their operatic was... pop and jazz fusion. So you know real targeted audience i suppose <laughs> got any more red white and blue uh, i might you ready for number eight yeah. a monkey a beetle a carpenter okay so a monkey a beetle and a carpenter to, walk into to a note for our listeners monkey is spelled k double e on the end which makes me think yeah. it's part of the band um yep. and a the same with uh beetle yeah so we're talking uh so, Probably Carpenter is going to be the musical Carpenter as well. I guess. Um, and I can't, why can't I think of her name? So, okay, let's go through Beatles because that's probably the smallest group. So you've got um, John Lennon, Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney, come on, George Harrison. <laughs> I was going to say, and the other one. Uh, Pete uh, Best. Let's see. Peter Tor- well, wait a minute. No, uh, Peter Tork was a monkey. Um, I was talking about oh. the uh, the fifth beetle. Oh, uh, the f- no. Um, Peter Tork is a monkey. Who are, who are those other? It seems like there's two mics. I'm trying to put together, you know, like 
combinations of them. Lennon. Like uh, if we had like, you know, Peter, well, I was going to say Peter, Paul, and Mary, but yeah, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Maybe, yeah. That's Mary Carpenter, isn't it? Yeah, Peter Tork, uh, Paul McCartney, and uh, Mary Carpenter. That sounds right to me. Okay, Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> And Peter, Paul, and Mary it is. Peter Tork, Paul McCartney, and Mary Chapin Carpenter. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, not the uh, of, yeah. not the female vocalist from the band The Carpenters. That's Karen Carpenter. But I'm a dick, so I went with another musical Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, she, Peter, uh, Paul, and Mary. I don't think I've... Uh, I've never heard of them. What did they do? Peter, Paul, and Mary? <laughs> uh, it, it's nothing but, like, synth funk, no. I think. Yeah. No, they were... Uh, they were responsible. Oh boy! See, this is another thing. The ignorance is coming. But they did uh, puff the magic dragon, didn't they? <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Okay, right. I love these people. Then that's <laughs> amazing. That's... They did that. Yeah. They did. If I had a hammer, bunch of other well-known like '60s and '70s folk songs. Yeah. Uh, for well, listeners, I'm... before they say, "Hey, no, wait," it's Karen Carpenter, Mary Chapin Carpenter. Uh, in case you're not familiar, was an '80s and '90s uh, crossover country musician who, among other things, had a song "I Feel Lucky." Now, I've heard of Mary Chapin Carpenter. There's uh, one song by her that uh, my wife and I would listen to, and uh, I'm, I'm just, it seems like it's, um, those were the days, my friend. I think that might be what it is. Uh, of course, I'll I'll Google it later and, and let you know whether I'm right or wrong. Uh, but... Best known hit she had, at least off the country charts, was Passionate Kisses. That should yeah, sound I've a little heard... familiar, like in yeah. the early 90s. I'm trying I'll, to think of the one I'll, you're thinking I'll come of. up with... Yeah, I'll come up with something eventually. But uh, the point is, Peter, Paul, and Mary, we got it. Move on. Next right. one. E- this is e- this is so easy. <laughs> Boy, this is the sound of a duo that is done with my mechanic. Number nine, Slab, <laughs> Butterhead, Heirloom. Oh. Uh, heirloom is a tomato. Is it BLT, bacon, lettuce, tomato? Uh, slab of bacon, butterhead, lettuce, heirloom tomato. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it feels like you have some thunder on that, and you talked it all the way through. These are all varieties of uh, the foods that make up a BLT, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Or tomato, if we're being particularly penguin-y about it. Yes. I prefer baby bib. (laughs) For the lettuce. I prefer not lettuce for the lettuce. Actually, I just want bacon. Bacon sandwiches, those are a thing in the UK, right? Where you just put bacon on a sandwich. Bacon sarnies, yes. You, oh. you choose your source of choice uh, or just have it with butter and it is... Butter and bacon? Oh, man. Uh, and yeah. I thought American food was bad. That sounds so good. Uh, oh. You know, I give Tipster a hard time for being British all the time, but in this case, I have to defer to the crown. That sounds amazing. Uh, they're really good cold as well. Cold bacon is just... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, gosh. That's... Can you imagine that, Jason? Just the congealed oh, good time butter right? yeah. squishing through your teeth as you take a bite. Mm. Oh, the, I I feel like our bacon is a little less fatty over here. Just that little... might have a lot to do with it. Yeah. Well, are you guys ready for the tenth and final one in the set? Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Let's All right. Let's bring, bring it, it on home, home with a famous newsman, a famous news headliner, a famous comedian in the news in 2017. Okay, 2017, comedians. Ooh, and uh, again, those at home don't see that a famous newsman has news in quotation marks. Oh, 
Please don't be Huey, Louie, and Dewey. <laughs> well, uh, that would be Huey Lewis in the news, wouldn't it? Uh, a famous news headliner would be Dewey Wins. And, oh, poor Louis C.K., right? In the 2017, he, he did some bad stuff. I'm so glad this was the 10th one. <laughs> I'm so glad that you stumbled on this twice in the round. Yeah, that's Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Huey, oh, Louis. Yeah, they're generally presented, at least uh, from what I've seen, in the order Huey, Dewey, and Louie. But yeah, no, you guys hit uh, all three nails on the head here. Huey Lewis, the front man for Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, Thomas Dewey, who had arguably the most famous headline in America in the 20th century, Dewey defeats Truman. Uh, and of course, the, the the news cycle surrounding the misdeeds of one Louis C.K. I'll tell you that one, uh, you had a few like this, but having news, news, news in there makes that, you know, the perfect kind of question for this mechanic. When you're able to pull everything together a monkey a beetle and a carpenter that's you know it's just brilliant stuff right there so i mean this is a well written round a well conceived round and i think that it's something that i'm definitely going to have to use in my shows upcoming in the future oh please yeah. do and take the idea and extend on it as much as there's famous trios there are famous quartets that you could connect to in a roundabout way uh i i'm very proud of a couple of these clues to be honest with you the ones that you pointed out where the clues themselves had some kind of commonality to them are just they're the ones that make me smile as i look back on them uh that that tenth one not just because you had guessed huey dewey and louie multiple times in the round but being able to get the throughput news in all three of those it it did my writing heart very very good when that hit the paper and i looked at it and said you know this is a good one it's it is a feel good sensation to get those kinds of things and that's oh, exactly yeah. why we do this being able, you know i mean writing it for yourself is one thing but being able to share it with others and have them go oh man look at that was clever i like that and that's exactly the way i feel that was clever and i like that yeah and from from an from a kind of player perspective as well having that feeling of just click that's that thing and boom we've got the whole like this blows the case wide open is an amazing feeling to distill down and that's what this round does really and that's actually part of the challenge you get when you're doing a particular type of mechanics round is where if the ask is easy and the answer is complicated you have to make sure that the easy isn't too easy and the complicated isn't too complicated yeah or the other way around in this case where the yeah. the answers are well-known trios and you know that going in so the challenge as a writer is how do I, again, obfuscate while I'm informing? Yeah, and you had a few clues where, you know, I picked up on one of the answers and I was able to go, well, it's probably this trio. Uh, so being able to pull like that is a good thing. And, you know, even though we both had absolute disaster with Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, you know, that doesn't discount that as a bad question. It's just that wasn't a trio that was in the forefront of our minds. And mm -hmm. I think that other people are going to pick it up uh, just that we had bad luck with it. And that's the way it yeah. goes when you're playing trivia, you're going to have bad luck and you're going to have gaps of knowledge. And that's nothing to be ashamed of if people don't get a question, right? I think the most important takeaway here is that uh, my, my partners in crime on this podcast need to listen to their super groups a little bit more. <laughs> I, I've, maybe. It's late. 
It is late. What, what do you say we get on out of here? Uh, Tipster, where can people find you after the episode ends? Uh, so you can find me on twitch.tv slash T1PSTR. That's Tipster with a one instead of the I. Uh, every Sunday at 7 p.m. GMT, we do start a little bit of the stream a little bit earlier to get you warmed up for our big pub quiz. And on Mondays, I bring you the Week in Quiz over on YouTube. Or you can head over to weekinquiz.pinnaclelarder.com and it will take you straight there. Fantastic. How about you, James? People want to get in touch with you. How would they go about doing that? You want to get a hold of me? I could write you questions. We could talk trivia. And you can reach me at thetrivianerd at gmail.com. And look for other social media outlets along the lines of the Trivia Nerd coming soon, as soon as I get off my lazy ass and do something about it. <laughs> Otherwise, email is it. And as for me, you can find me on Twitch uh, about nine times a week, seven nights and two afternoons, at least as far as U.S. time zones are concerned, at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage, courage with the letter K, because Tipster doesn't get to have the only special uh, handle here on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> If you wanted to reach out to us collectively and talk keyword challenges, roundtable discussions, uh, any thoughts you had about what we talked about today or on previous episodes, we encourage you to do so. Shoot us an email at quadriviapod at gmail.com. You can tag us on Twitter or Facebook at quadriviapod. Uh, feel free to check out our website for voting on the keyword challenge and other fun things. That's quadriviapodcast.com. And before we get on out of here, a very special note. This is the final episode of the podcast for 2020. We'll be re releasing this right before Christmas and taking the uh, week off between Christmas and the new year to rest, recover, uh, remind ourselves what our partners look like, uh, exhale, and come back strong and with some new, hopefully exciting voices uh, in the mix for 2021. So our next episode will be Wednesday, January, I believe it is 5th, as I check the calendar, uh, January 6th to be more precise. Our next episode will be released Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. We hope you look forward to it. We look forward to making it. Tipster, what is our outro for the week? Uh, uh, uh. I remind you that my catchphrase is lower your expectations. <laughs> and mine is do shots, touch butts. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that's appropriate uh, to bring up. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> hmm. Totally fair. Looks like I need to get a catchphrase. <laughs>